place run right. Yeah.
Anyone who thought they couldn't be themselves and be the hero too. Your time is now. Yes! And it's not gonna be easy. Sometimes we might feel lost on the way. But if we persevere, oh, this life sure will be beautiful. <laughs> so will you stand with me? Because, honey, I'm going to need all the help I can get. You see, I looked up into the stars and they told me it's about time we change the world. Are you ready? Get a little nasty, get a little sassy Teaching niggas why it's pretty boys rule And they be bitching about the homos Cause they got the FOMO But they wanna taste the pussy so good So we can hit it from the front We can get it from the back Probably suck up on my dick good Better than they chick do Making all the straight boys oh, I know I'm making it hard for you And we never Tried to hurt no one We just love That ain't wrong, baby But you know now our blood's been spilled by your hands and I've had enough uh, Your motherfucker's turning me into a gay street fighter I'm trying to love you but you're making wishes so hard Stay trying to help you clean your mess cause you done fucked it up And even though you might not thank me for your happy life Just know it's great that makes the world so goddamn bright Let me tell you about a time the universe was mine and yes it told me to all the ones that you adore, the ones we should ignore, cause they be putting chains on your destiny. And we got to see, got to believe, that nothing really matters, gotta let go of all the pain, of all your shame. One world, one love, one And we never tried to hurt no one, we just love. That ain't wrong, baby. But you know now our blood's been spilled by your hands and I've had enough. These motherfuckers turn me into the gay street fighter. I'm trying to love you, but you're making this shit so hard. Stay trying to help you clean your mess, cause you don't fuck it And even though you might not thank me for your happy life, just know it's great that makes the world so goddamn right. Now let me say it again. I'll preach it out for the back. The truth is, everybody's just a little bit gay. Your mother, your brother, so gay. I are soldiers, baby. Yeah, they all just a little bit gay. Your teachers, so gay. And your doctor, so fucking gay. Look in the mirror, baby. You gay too, bitch. See, we all just a little bit gay. Today it's Friday, August 7th, 2020. Thanks so much for tuning in. We are broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. We are in the Mission District, and we're on Ramatouche Ohlone land. And to learn more about the land and the people who have been here, please go to ramatouche.com, and that's R-A-M-A-Y 
tush.com. You can also sign petitions to remove statues of colonizers that are still here in California. And I also want to encourage folks to go to the Shumi Land tax page. And you can go to, if you Google or type in S-H-U-U-M-I land tax, will be brought to the Segorate Land Trust page. And that's for land, particularly folks who are in the East Bay. And also, I would like to encourage folks, uh, this is especially for folks in North America, to go to native-land.ca, and there you'll find a map of uh, territories throughout North America, uh, native land. So we can learn a lot from that. Um, definitely, there's so much to learn and unlearn, I think, by being brought up in this country. So uh, yeah, I wanted just to share these resources with folks. Today on the show, I'll have some news items, uh, some events that are coming up, as well as music. Start off by playing a few songs that kind of got me in the mood. <laughs> the first would be 1312 by The Casualties, then Great Cop by Fugazi, followed by Gay Street Fighter by Keenan Lonsdale. And play some more music throughout the show. It's nice as a palate cleanser. Uh, I guess sometimes I provide a trigger warning before the show. We're talking about current events, people in positions of power who cause a lot of harm to others, and it's a lot. It's a lot to witness. It's a lot to talk about. It's a lot to think about and try to find ways to push through it, to acknowledge it, and to create a better world for everyone. And it's stuff that people have been doing and trying to do for a very long time since before any of us got here. And it's important to remember that there's so much that's going on right now and so many ways that folks can show up no matter where you are, what you're doing, what your capabilities are, what you have the energy for. There's always a time and a place where folks can show up to help one another. And understanding this and, and learning this myself, I, I don't always uh, remember that, but it's a, it's a good thing to consider that no matter what's going on, there's always folks who are helping people out and there's always ways that folks can show up. Whew. All right. Sometimes I start off the show with a rant of sorts, and I don't feel like I have anything particularly new to say today that I haven't already said and that other people haven't already said. It's just disgusting to live in a world where punishment and violence are somehow celebrated and funded, especially in the U.S., and helping people and education, healthcare, housing, all things that everyone should have access to is somehow uh, out of reach for so many people and how poverty is criminalized. And here in San Francisco, it's a fucking joke that there are billionaires who live in this city and there are empty buildings and yet there are folks without housing. And if you go on Nextdoor, which I don't know why I still subscribe, but I'm still on there just because I maybe I like to punish myself, I don't know. Quite often, there are people on there who are just so outraged. Uh, and they're not outraged at wealth inequality, per se. Or maybe they're, they're upset at the results of wealth in inequality. Um, they're upset that there are tent encampments. And instead of being like, okay, how can we get folks into housing? How can we help people? They are more like, hmm, I seem to call the cops on these people. And they, they're, it's like th this idea, I think, for some folks where if they don't have to look at people – they don't have to admit that those people exist. And it's similar to jails and prisons and everything. There was a, a nice Twitter hashtag that was going around 
no comrades under 1,000, which was pretty awesome. And one person had tweeted, you know, what what main thing are you working on or do you want to work on? And somebody, and my apologies for not remembering people's names and handles at this moment, had mentioned that, like, everything is interconnected, and I agree with that, is that there's so much of it's interconnected. It's not just one thing. And if you're experiencing late-stage capitalism, it's just... It's so, I think it's what a lot of folks have been talking about for ages, and now it's so much more clear now that there will still be evictions in some places and people without health care, and when you have health care tied to jobs and people get fired or laid off, then they don't get health. It's just, it's so backwards. It's so ridiculous. <sighs> and then there's a lovely two-party system, which is just a fucking joke. And it's like, oh, here's someone who will, like, you know, tell you you can die to your face and someone else who will just tell you you can die through passing harmful policies and it's like you got to choose between the two which what's, what's, what's it gonna be awesome anyway i don't want to be a downer i used to be a comedian for folks who are listening for the first time and i don't know if i necessarily identify with that label or moniker anymore because i don't really do stand-up comedy i haven't in a number of years partially i had difficulty finding humor in all things that were happening and this was maybe three four years ago however uh, I do feel like one can hopefully find some humor. I guess it's tragedy plus time, but we're living in a lot of tragedy right now, so it's a bit difficult. But I don't want folks to tune out or anything or think it's all a sad show. I play music. There, that's uh, some uplifting things. And there are, again, positive things that folks can do. And I also will be sharing some upcoming events that folks can partake in, as well as teach-ins, and there's so much to learn. And I part of the reason I do this show, I do it for a lot of reasons, and so much of it's just to learn, and to there's so much material out there, and I think folks kind of have to find it, and or speak to one another, and it's just a matter of educating myself, and educating one another, and finding new ways to exist, and I hope by doing the show I can put out some good information and some truth out there to the universe. So there's a lot that's going on. And the show, it's there's not really any format per se. I do some talking. Often I have guests. I'll be having a guest in next week, which I'm super excited about, who will be calling in. And read news stories. I also play audio from other news stories. And share upcoming events. So I'm going to start off with an upcoming event that folks can participate in. And this is a shutdown California's concentration camps statewide day of action for immigrant justice. And, and this will be happening at Embarcadero Plaza in San Francisco tomorrow, Saturday, which will be August 8th from noon to 2 p.m. It's supposed to be relatively warm weather if that impacts anyone's decision. And this you can find the invite on Facebook. I know Facebook's super fucking evil. And also they have information there. So, you know, do what we can. So I'll read a little bit about this, and you can, again, find the information and the invite on Facebook. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Shut down California's concentration camps statewide, day of action on 8-8. And I will, there's also just a whole, ooh, there's a map of actions. So people from all over the state will be converging on detention and state centers to demand justice for detained immigrants. Join us. So again, this is happening actually all over California. One in San Francisco, one in the Central Coast. There's an online protest in Los Angeles. 
at uh, DTLA Federal Building and in San Diego at the Waterfront Park. And if you go to the Shut Down California's Concentration Camps page, or if you type that in, you should be able to be, you should see all this info. And I will read a little bit about the one in particular in San Francisco. But the page does, again, have information for the other events that are happening throughout California. And also, you don't have to be in California since the one in the Central Coast will be an online event. to uh, bring up this page here, share a little bit. It's very DIY here. And let's see. On August 8th, 2020, people from all over the state, including San Diego, Los Angeles, and the Bay Area, will be converging on detention and state centers. Here in the Bay Area, we'll, we will be marching from Justin Herman Plaza to the ICE building to make the following demands. To save lives, Gavin Newsom and A.G. Becerra must immediately end all California cooperation with ICE, we demand that Governor Newsom support the demands of detained immigrants who are organizing across California and community organizations. Stop all transfers from California prisons and jails to ICE detention. Two, stop all expansion of detention centers in our state. Three, lead an independent investigation and hold detention centers accountable for putting lives at risk during the pandemic. At the federal level, we are also fighting to abolish ICE, close the camps, and free them all. ICE must release all detained people, starting with the most vulnerable to COVID. While decarceration takes place, ICE and private prison corporations must provide safe housing, protective gear, and medical attention. And on the page, they will uh, provide updates with details on a supporting car caravan and actions to take from home. They ask that everybody wear a mask and practice physical distancing of at least six feet during the action. And they want to minimize the spread of COVID-19, which has disproportionately affected communities of color. This is sponsored by the Bay Area Free the Mall Coalition. And you can contact them at freethemallcali at gmail.com. Okay. Next up. Um... Next up is there's a GoFundMe that's up for the San Francisco Bayview, which is a national black newspaper. So I'm going to read a little bit about it for folks who might not know and or want to learn more. And you can find this at uh, go if you go it's a GoFundMe and as well if you go to SF Bayview, uh, you can find the link. Uh, to all to all those who know and love the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper, now it's in its 44th year of liberation journalism. And to those who don't know yet what they're missing, we make a strong call for your help to invest in and save the Bayview. The dynamic duo of Mary Ratcliffe as editor and Willie Ratcliffe as publisher is in peril. The current situation cannot and should not be sugarcoated. Mary Ratcliffe, now in her 80s, has been diagnosed with breast cancer. Willie, at 87 years old, also has serious health issues, and Mary has been his caregiver. Her greatest fear is that the print version of the newspaper will go down due to lack of funding while she takes time to attend to her medical needs. Mary and the Bayview's many loyal readers feels the Bayview is more crucial than ever to bring intelligent, truthful, and hard-hitting coverage to the calls for abolition, defunding the police, and Black Lives Matter, and provide a rare platform for imprisoned voices, voices from community organizers, and activists. 
while simultaneously funding the Bayview, understand that you're investing in the successful return of a soon-to-be formerly incarcerated person to take over this legacy newspaper upon his return September 3, 2020. Keith Malik Washington has been diligently and masterfully acting as assistant editor from behind enemy lines. Affectionately known as Comrade Malik, he is part of an elite group of imprisoned journalists, activists, organizers, and jailhouse lawyers who find a platform in the San Francisco Bayview National Black Newspaper. The symbolic relationship between the newspaper and the communities on both sides of the wall cannot be understated in its importance. We don't want to imagine Mary not being able to be here to educate Malik on the finer points of editorship, but the reality is just too close. The viability of the Bayviews directly linked to the material and economic stability Malik, who's in a photo above holding the newspaper, has upon his return home. While Mary is undaunted in having to face cancer and Malik is undaunted in facing freedom after 13 years of incarceration and taking over as editor, they will need your help to keep the paper and the voices of the inside-outside community alive and thriving. Community participation is essential. Uh, we thank you, Kevin Epps, beloved local filmmaker, creator of the opening video. In unity and love, please make your investment today. So again, you can check out San Francisco Bayview, and there's a video here that I will uh, share. The SF Bayview newspaper, a prominent black newspaper for 40 something years, have been a voice for the community a voice for reason, a voice for righteousness, addressing the issues of criminal justice reform, environmental injustice, and people power that have inspired and uplifted many around what's right for the cause, for the people, enduring Black Lives Matter, Black Voices Matter, Black Issues Matter, we all matter. All right. So again, please do support the San Francisco Bayview. Whew. All right. I'm going to take a bit of a music break here. It's about 1222, and we'll get back with some more news stories. And uh, yeah, hope everyone's doing all right out there. We'll be back in a bit.
spirit bands will parade with wandering sun marking their autumn in mind and before that and even my last band eternal dead with don't look down coming up next there has been some positive news stories and again a lot of the times the positive news stories are when things that should never happen in the first place are pushed back against and changed for the better and one thing is that there's a hospital in chicago that had been performing surgeries on intersex patients for quite a while and many people have been protesting against that and thankfully now the hospital said that they will no, no longer do that so there's an interview from wnyc with um, activists and wanted to share that with folks and often on the show i do have folks uh, activists either call in in person and or come in back in the days before shelter in place and at the moment doing a little bit more of outsourcing as it were and just sharing information with folks people who have already done the interviews um in a way to take away um it's it can be a lot of energy i know and time for folks to have to constantly repeat themselves and so i thought i would share this information from folks who have already been interviewed again you can find this this is a takeaway uh from wnycstudios.org it came out on august 5th 2020 and uh can find it online as well. And uh, I'm just gonna get this all set up. So again, you can find this. I don't know why I'm repeating myself, but here we go. A set of variations. Page, doctors in the United States have performed surgeries on intersex children to make their genitalia appear more like our common perceptions of male and female anatomies. Intersex is a set of variations and sort of sex characteristics, whether they be gonadal, chromosomal, or hormonal, that are atypical for males and females. That's Sean Saifa-Wall, the co-founder of the Intersex Justice Project, and we're going to hear more from Sean in just a second. Activists and human rights groups, however, have widely condemned these surgeries, but even after a 2013 report from the United Nations which called on countries to outlaw genital surgeries on intersex children, most hospitals in the United States have continued to allow them. Last week, the Anne and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago reversed course, becoming the first major hospital in the United States to officially halt these surgeries for intersex children. The hospital's announcement came after years of pressure by the Intersex Justice Project, the group that works to end these surgeries. In a statement, the hospital said that historically they had taken part in these surgeries, but that, quote, as the medical field has advanced and understanding has grown, we now know that this approach was harmful and wrong. Joining me now is Sean Saifa-Wall, co-founder of the Intersex Justice Project. Saifa, welcome to The Takeaway. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Kate Sawson, a reporter covering LGBTQ plus issues at the 19th. Kate, welcome to The Takeaway. Thank you for having me. Kate, let's start with you. Are intersex surgeries common in the United States or in other parts of the world? Intersex surgeries are incredibly common. From what we know, no hospital has come out and stated that they don't perform these procedures. And almost no country has come out and stated that they won't perform these. Uh, Malta became the first in 2015 to say that they wouldn't do that, but very few countries or states have actually outlawed the procedures around the world. 
Saifa, why are intersex uh, people um, and activists viewing these surgeries on intersex children as harmful? I think the people who are speaking out are the adult survivors of these surgeries. And I think for myself, um, for the people who I know, the activists, the human rights advocates, is that we have been harmed. And some of the sort of lasting effects, for lack of a better word, of these procedures are like loss of sensation, scarring, like very real trauma. And I think our advocacy is informed by not wanting young people to go through this unnecessarily. I think we have a duty to prevent unnecessary trauma. Kate, given that the surgeries have been condemned by a number of human rights organizations, as we heard at the top here, why are they still accepted by the medical community as much as they are, given everything also that that Saifa just outlined? You know, there's a struggle for transgender individuals to access trans-affirming medical care, which is medical care that would bring trans people in alignment with the gender that they identify. And so we have a, an issue in the U.S. of people not being able to access care that aligns with their gender. And for intersex people, they're having the entirely opposite issue, which is they're not having autonomy over their bodies. And it comes back to an issue of, in the U.S., we have a really binary idea of gender, right? We think of men as men and women as women, and we think that these things are written in stone. And intersex people really sort of show that um, there are variations, and that's really uncomfortable for a lot of us to confront. And so doctors for decades have been sort of writing that out. I, I just want to make sure I'm 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 being clear and Saifa and or Kate, please um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but being intersex is not the same as being trans. It is not. The way I think about intersex is that it's a biological reality. Um, but transgender is about how you know how people feel, how they express their gender. Saifa, in the previous segment you mentioned um and this is something I've been thinking about. These surgeries, I believe, you, you call them cosmetic and medically unnecessary. It feels like the cosmetics here are what may have been driving the medical community to do that. Is that right? Yeah, I think what often doesn't come out is the sort of medical bias against intersex bodies. I think for years, intersex activists have shared how these surgeries have impacted them. I think our messaging has been very consistent over a number of years, since the days of like the Intersex Society of North America and Hermaphrodites with Attitude. Our messaging has been consistent. And I think what often doesn't come out is sort of like provider bias, the bias on the part of the doctors. It was in the Human Rights Watch report in 2017, I Want to Be As Nature Made Me, where it was in that report that it was sort of discovered that surgeons have the highest level of bias toward uh, intersex variations, and their bias informs parents' decisions about um, doing these surgeries. And so I think definitely it's like provider bias that's really informing these surgeries.
Could, and it, it's also, Kate, I, I'm wondering, uh, I want to talk a little bit about why the hospital decided to end the surgeries. But before that, I'm wondering if you've spoken to parents who may have, you know, if, with the best interests of their child at heart, decided to do this surgery because they wanted to maybe protect the child from, you know, from anything in the future or just, you know, have them, you know, I, I was it or the parents you're talking to, you've talked to aware of the trauma that these surgeries could entail or did they do this with the best of intentions for their kids i actually haven't interviewed parents of of intersex children but i I have interviewed a number of intersex people who have spoken about their parents and it seems like parents were not given complete information or really understood the consequences of these surgeries and did not understand necessarily how traumatizing these surgeries might be, that they thought that they were doing something that might help their children live a quote unquote normal life um, and didn't understand that they might be taking away or foreclosing some, some possibilities for their kids, including, you know, being able to, um, have children or feel sexual pleasure or um, that they'd be subjecting them to really invasive and painful medical treatment for years or even lying to their kids um, and telling them, for example, that they had cancer um, and that those narratives uh, would be troubling for years and years and years. Kate, based on uh, the reporting that you've done, why did the hospital decide to end surgeries last month? Uh, that would be because Saifa and Saifa's co-founder of the Intersex Justice Project, Pigeon Pagonis, really fought this for years and waged what I would say was a relentless campaign around this. Um, it's worth noting that Lurie is, is a very prestigious hospital in terms of gender care in general. It has a, a renowned gender clinic specifically treating trans and non-binary children that was started in 2013 and it has a really great reputation among lgbtq people and because of that it it makes it a very prime target for a campaign like this because there's such a dissonance when you're doing such great care for transgender people and continuing to do these kinds of surgeries Saifa, um, when you consider your own surgery that happened when you were 13, how did that shape your view of intersex surgeries? Um, I think looking back, um, my, my mom wasn't given all of the facts. I think if my mom was, if my mom was involved in a thorough informed consent process, like I think she wouldn't have consented to the surgery. And I feel like at the time when I was, I was a child, I was a child and these physicians were using terminology that was way over my head and they weren't being honest with me about the reality of my body. You know, they told my mom that I had gonads, which is undifferentiated sex tissue as opposed to testes. Um, And after I was castrated at New York Presbyterian Hospital, you know, I was put on feminizing hormones, which really caused like a, another level of trauma because I saw my body feminized in ways that I was really uncomfortable with. And I think in hindsight, 
I would have been okay if I had proper psychological support with the changes that were happening. Um, and so I feel like what happened to me, I wasn't given autonomy over my body because it came with this, this script that was based in compulsive heterosexuality that I would have the surgery, be subject to these hormones, and then eventually I would have genital surgery, which would be able to accommodate sex with my future husband. There's so many assumptions that are made. And I think what is very, what is pretty disturbing is that there are so many people with the same variation. I have androgenous sensitivity syndrome. If they were assigned female at birth, all of them have been given the same script throughout the United States in different parts of our country. So for me, that's that's a problem. And it, I think it just shows the consistency by which the medical establishment, particularly around these variations, have these very insular prescribed narratives for people with these variations. Sean Seifa-Wall is the co-founder of the Intersex Justice Project, and Kate Sawson is a reporter covering LGBTQ plus issues at the 19th. Thanks to you both for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So again, folks can find this interview as well as a transcript for it at wnycstudios.org. And it's a podcast called The Takeaway. And it came out on August 5th, 2020. And you can also, it was hosted also by uh, Tenzina Vega. So we'll play a little bit more music and get some other news stories to share with folks. Stay tuned.
Be running up that road.
break there. That was the instrumental version of Digging in the Dark by Peter Gabriel. Before that, Placebo's cover of Running Up That Hill. Next up, some more news uh, and information. On Twitter, if you follow Interstellar and or go to their Twitter feed, and that's at I-N-N-T-E-R-S-T-A-E-L-L-A-R, they have a thread of people who are offering places to stay uh, in for those who have been rendered homeless because of the tragic blast in Lebanon and are in dire need of a place to stay. So again, if you go to at I-N-N-T-E-R-S-T-A-E-L-L-A-R, their pinned tweet is a thread of people who are offering places to stay for folks who have been affected by the horrific blast in Lebanon. Next up, um, an informational thread. And again, lots of, yeah, there's a lot going on here. So taking a lot of deep breaths as we go. This is another thread uh, from Confrontaciones. And forgive me if I've mispronounced that. You can follow them at C-O-N-F-R-O-N-T-A-C-I-O-N underscore S. How to be invisible online by a comrade with a keyboard, a thread. Share this with folks. Contents, 2 of 10. Uh, intro, web browsing, proxy servers, and VPN. Email, your smartphone is a cop. Security culture and conclusion. Okay, next. Capitalism seeks to attach value to everything and everyone. Our daily activity in the world and online is no different. From the websites you visit, the shops you buy from, and even the times at which you do these things, it is all logged and analyzed so value can be extracted from you more effectively. The other side to this is a surveillance makes it possible for the state to police us at all times. By now, many of you will have learned of a Philadelphia protester who was photographed setting a police car ablaze in the George Floyd Rebellion and was subsequently identified by the FBI by analyzing protest footage, social media posts, and online shopping records. We leave a trail in the course of our everyday lives, and we present this guide to better online anonymity in hopes it will prevent similar occurrences in the future. We only know what we know, so we only know what we know, so we're sharing that. There are more knowledgeable comrades out there and other resources available, which we encourage y'all to seek out. The road to liberation will be a struggle, and we will need everyone with us. Let's cover our tracks on the way there. Web browsing. It is correct to assume all your online activity is being monitored and just about everything online is set up to identify you, your interests, your social circle, and even the device you're using. It's no secret Google is always spying. We recommend not ever using them, Chrome browser and Google search engine. Okay, so in the past, for the past six years when I've been saying Google something, don't. Definitely should use uh, uh, DuckDuckGo, but we'll see what they say. Um, nor Safari or Edge. But if you must, you can at least do this. Surf in incognito or private mode. This will prevent passwords and browsing history from being logged by a Google, but logged by a Google, but does not stop other trackers from following you across websites and logging other details like your IP address and network provider. Or uh, third-party browser extensions or ad blockers. 
there are a few extensions that you can add to your browser to keep third parties from following you across websites. The Electronic Front Frontier Foundation, EFF, offers one such extension called Privacy Badger. You can find them if you go to privacybadger.org. It works with Chrome, Opera, and Edge browser, and also with the Android version of Firefox. There are many alternatives out there, so if you don't want Google and the state watching everything you do, try these tools. For browsers, you can use Tor, which stops trackers. Anyone spying can only see you're using Tor but can't see what you're up to. Makes all Tor users look the same to prevent identification. Triple encrypts your online traffic. Encryption makes stuff unreadable to an outsider. Other browsers include Brave, DuckDuckGo, and Opera. Uh, other search engine is DuckDuckGo. Collaboration tools. Instead of using Google Docs, use RiseUp. RiseUp pads. Pad.riseup.net. Cryptpad.fr. And that's C-R-Y-P-T-P-A-D.fr. Gives client-side encryption and offers a few collaboration tools. And other tools uh, for proxy servers and VPNs. Other tools for evading online surveillance and restrictions are proxy servers and VPNs. Proxies, online gateways to the internet that can help hide your IP address and can allow you to get around content restrictions. There are many free proxy servers online. A quick search will get you one. Proxy can use sometimes, pro excuse me, proxy use can sometimes cause performance issues, i.e. streaming or downloading certain content. VPN. VPN encrypts your traffic by creating a tunnel to the VPN server. It hides activity from your ISP, which is your internet service provider, like Comcast or AT&T. Some browsers have a VPN integrated, like Opera, and you can also download a free one, i.e. ProtonVPN through Android, Windows, Mac OS, iOS, GNV, or Linux. This is 7th of 10th. On email communication, secure your email communications by using encryption. Every email you send passes through multiple servers and is perfectly readable by third parties when not protected. Encryptions encodes your communication so that only you and the recipient can read it. Sorry, I'm looking at the mic now and there's like a covering on it. That's interesting. Okay. ProtonMail. ProtonMail is free and encrypts messages end-to-end -end between ProtonMail users. When communicating with non-Proton mail users, you can use PGP, pretty good privacy, or encryption for outside recipients. Proton mail has the steps for either of these methods on its site. Either encrypted email services include Tutanota, which is T-U-T-A-N-O-T-A, -A, Librem Mail, L-I-B-R-E-M Mail, and TourGuard, T-O-R-G-U-A-R-D, Private Mail. And next up, your phone is a cop, which maybe explains why I, quote-unquote, accidentally drop it all the time. Uh, that was my attempt at a joke. Everything we've shared to this point applies to those activities on your phone as well. What distinguishes our phones from a home computer is it makes our movement in the world traceable. Every cell tower and wireless router you come into contact with can and will log your phone. Low, excuse me, low. Law enforcement, too, has the ability to mimic a cell tower with a device called a Stingray. This machine can capture device characteristics, intercept communications, and even deny you service. 
Next time you go to the protest, leave your cell phone at home or at least leave it in airplane mode if you intend to get into some shit. Most of us rely on our smartphones heavily throughout our day. They are useful like that. However, as one comrade put it, all technology is military technology. So we should be diligent and assume there is always some backdoor into our lives through this tech. Voice, video, and messaging. Signal, that's it. Download and use Signal. It's end-to-end -end encrypted. Metadata. When we snap a photo on our smartphone, it is encoded with data that tells about the device that captured it and even the time and place. If you post photos online, you should remove this data first. Oh, interesting. There may be many ways to do this and apps that can do it for you, so look up steps for whatever type of phone you're using. Security culture. Treat your technology like an eavesdropping stranger. If you wouldn't discuss it in front of a stranger, don't talk about it online, on your phone, or better yet, at all. How we show up in the fight to abolish the current world isn't for clout or for social media likes anyway. In some cases, private and crucial information must be communicated by technological means, which is why we've presented what we have. But always remember there are risks and this should only ever occur with between trusted individuals. Talk to your homies and your family members to create a culture of awareness so everyone knows their rights if the feds or the pigs knock on someone's door. When you go to a protest, what are you wearing that might be traceable back to you? Are your tattoos showing? What alias will you use so people aren't shouting your name for all to hear? If you have your phone on you, did you turn off the fingerprint and facial recognition access features so police can't use it to get in if you're apprehended? Protecting ourselves is also protecting our loved ones and comrades. And finally, in conclusion, government agencies and law enforcement have the resources to comb the internet for information about us and spy on us. Private corporations also want to know everything about us, and in the course of the struggles to come, will partner with the state. Oh, and the struggles to come will partner with the state to suppress anything that threatens their profitability and power. We must take every precaution to protect ourselves and others from state repression, which means whatever plans we make or actions we take sometimes won't be things we can ever talk about to anyone. If you declare the state your enemy, take it seriously because they certainly will. This guide is by no means a guarantee of protection against surveillance, but can at least prevent capitalism from having a full picture of what we're doing. The internet is a tool for us to share and interact. Let's do everything we can to mitigate the harm it can cause to our people. Long live anarchy. Okay, so again, really informative thread. I learned quite a bit. It's, um, you can find it at C-O-N-F-R-O-N-T-A-C-I-O-N underscore S. And this was shared on August 3rd. I've also uh, reshared it on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter. I do mostly a lot of retweeting of news articles and uh, folks's, other folks' takes as, yeah, well, as upcoming events and whatnot. And you can follow me at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R. Whew. <sighs> Taking a breath. Whew. That was a lot. A lot of information. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I often feel like technology kind of, we haven't quite caught up. We haven't, humans haven't quite evolved to where we could all use technology for good in a way. And I think a lot of us want to. And also, it's just really tricky out there. It's really tricky. And I'm also one for, oh, yeah, it's, if something's more convenient, it's hard to take the necessary precautions. 
All right, coming up also is a webinar. This is from the Center for Political Education, I believe. And this is what is happening with ethnic studies in California. It's happening today from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. So if you're listening to the show in the future, um, I believe they should also have it recorded as well. I'm not positive, but the Center for Political Education is an awesome organization. Learned so much from them. Please do support them and check out their events. And this is, um, yes, topic is what's happening with ethnic studies in California and it is an analysis of the California Department of Education revisions to the ethnic studies model curriculum from the perspectives of founders, experts, and writers. Join us Friday, August 7th at 5.30 p.m. Again, this is a specific time for our webinar on what's been happening with ethnic studies in California, moderated by AROC, Arab Resource and Organizing Center, and hosted by the Save Arab American Studies Coalition. Again, happening today, August 7th at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time and the link here is through a Zoom. However, let's see if I can find more information about it. Uh, type in CPE, should be able to find that info. Great. Okay. Next up, uh, I'm going to play um, Yes, I'm going to play a video. I'm going to play a video with audio about what's happening, one thing that's happening. Again, this is just a drop in the bucket of information that I'm sharing with folks. I'm gonna slow down a little bit. It's been a lot, there's been a lot going on. So this is what's happening in Queensbridge, Queens. And you can find this, um, this is about the Queensbridge Sacred Garden. It's about like a five and a half minute video. It's shared by Reveal the Obvious. And again, you can find it on YouTube and I think the video will, will speak for itself. They robbed, nature robbed the community. All right, they robbed their own community, I would say that. Nature robbed through the Queensbridge community, 100%. In 2013, I started farm school, agricultural school. And um, I went there because I realized that in our community, not only did we need to eat better, but we needed to have, we needed to know more about food. We need to actually have gardens in our community. And I started looking around my community and saying, okay, where can we put a garden? 41st Road between 12th Street and 21st Street. The land has been empty um, as long as I've been alive. It's not even being kept. Trash bags everywhere. Dogs go back there and poop, and the poop just sits there and decomposes into the soil. Cars parked there, tire tracks there. You know, I remember being eight years old, eight, nine years old, I think, when someone pulled a gun out on me and my friends riding our bikes. It's horrible. And as, as I spoke to people who live in the community 40, 50 years, they said it's been like that their whole lives. I mean, I'm only guessing that it's probably been there since 1939, since the installation of Queensbridge houses. And we started piecing it together. Um, started making a contact, and we said, okay, we need an architect. Friend Donald Odakobi, he's one of the top black architects in the country. Like, he uh, designed Promise Academy up in um, Harlem. We had an organization willing to, um, ready to donate soil and other supplies. Uh, reached out to Councilman Jimmy Van Brammer. He wrote a letter on our behalf, you know, um, saying that he was a supporter of the initiative. 2014 was put into play, started um, cleaning the space. There, there was a bunch of old tires in that space. We cleaned them up, cleaned it out. Part of the issue, not only in Queensbridge, but in public housing and in just um, urban or impoverished communities throughout the country is the lack of respect for the environment, the lack of respect for the land. So if we created this garden and beautified it with beautiful colors and you know, vibrancy and, 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 and had a space back there where we honored our loved ones who were killed, who lost their lives to violence, 
uh, if we have that space back there in dog parks, people will respect it. People respect beauty, right? Especially when it's public perception that it is deemed beautiful. Even by crossing the space, walking past the space, seeing the space out your window, it will naturally change your brain chemistry. It was a run around. It's on nature property, or so I thought. All right, so it automatically went to New York City Housing Authority. They said, hey, we don't own the land. That's city park, it's green space. Okay, cool, go to city park. City park's like, hey, that's the Department of Transportation. Right, it's by the bridge. Like, they have, their, that's their thing, what they decide to do with it. We're like, okay, we go to Department of Transportation. That's New York City Housing Authority. It's on public land. These bureaucracies, right, I think are put in place to deter people who try to get spaces all the time, try to get access to buildings, to property all the time. And you get to run around for two, three years. And some people don't got two, three years to go back and forth to meet with this person, to email that person, and go to court and try to get this thing and try to get that thing. And life goes on. And so they hope that you let go and forget about it and you get too busy. Any person, in my opinion, says that they are not in support of this project, it means that you are not in support of the people of Queensbridge. It means that you are not in support of the environment. It means that you are not in support of humanity if you deny this project. Because again, it is an, it's environmental, it's economic, it's health, it's beautification. This, this one project encompasses so many other big issues that we have in the urban community. And so if anyone disagrees or does not approve of us going forward with building what we desire to build, how we desire to build it, it's telling me that you don't really care about the people. Guerrilla Garden is when you, you see a space, the space is public space, it's, it's, it's space for the people, it's public. Take it, you plant, you garden. You develop, you dig, you plant, and you create the structure as you go. We plan to come out to garden. And so me and my brother gonna come out tomorrow with a few other people, we're gonna start digging, we're gonna put the tires up, the line it, and that week people's gonna come from, uh, contacts come from different parts of the city. Everything was clean, we had our shovels there, we had um, the tires were there clean, we had some paint there. And every day we was gonna have like six, seven, eight volunteers, we're gonna do different things. We're gonna bring the children back there at the end of the week, once everything was set up, they could see it and start painting. And uh, we came out the next day, everything was gone. Took our shovels, we had like five shovels there. We had like 200 or something tires there. We had like six, seven cans of paint there. Took everything. They stole from the community. Yeah. They stole from the children's future. Right now, that garden would be blooming right now. We was gonna do classes, we was gonna do yoga, we was gonna do meditations there. That space was going to be our transformative healing space for Queensbridge. And they took it. So Queensbridge has 3,444 apartments, but it's like at least 12,000 people here, right? So I'm thinking 1,800 signatures from people in Queensbridge. Right, because if we get 10,000 signatures, like you are going to refuse 10,000 people from different walks of life, from different, but I think that you can't refuse it. the video on YouTube uh, to find the link and to find the petition and also uh, yeah and it's called Queensbridge Sacred Garden also in the video they share uh, they see there's a, a fence that uh, was put up to prevent folks from gardening which is just it's just so atrocious so it's yeah again Live in the world of quite
Okay, next up, sorry, next up, uh, let's take a breath. Actually, I'm going to play some music. That sounds like a song I planned. Another song from uh, Wolf Parade, and I'll be back in a bit.
originally by Joseph Arthur, who I saw open up for the Afghan Wigs in New Orleans in 2014, I think. And Joseph Arthur has a great album called Lou that's all covers of Lou Reed songs, and it's really beautiful. Ah, before that, also heard uh, Wolf Parade with Puya Take Your Man Home, also off their new album, Thin Mind. Also want to be, be ooh, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to all the patrons folks who support the show and you can uh yeah i'll share info towards the end of the show i tend to lose my words a little bit so big thank you to krish michael nate daniel joshua Kristen, Blythe, janice and praveen and thanks to shirley for also helping out we're putting together a website with all the information oh that's a lot um putting together a website that has the list of guests and music and a lot of information so folks can go back and check out the archive, which you can also check out at mutinyradio.fm. And with this companion website, we'll be able to provide much more information for previous episodes. And if you're able to support the show financially, uh, please do support by sharing, spreading the word. And also, you can go to patreon.com and Anywhere from a dollar a month is greatly appreciated. Really, really appreciate it. To help cover the dues of renting the studio space. So thanks so much for all the folks who are out there doing that. Going to wrap up. And by wrap up, I'm using quotation marks because it's going to be another 20 minutes or so. But lots of lots of information to share. So since I lived in New York, I, I, I've moved a while ago. Yet part of me, my heart's there for sure. Part of me is also still there as well as the emails I received. Because I just didn't bother to change it. Anyway. There is a Freegan NYC has events that are coming up, and this is the August Freegan events calendar. And now, since we are in shelter in place, a lot of events that normally were happening in person, now folks can participate online. So, at least for the month of July, their events will still be virtual, and hopefully we can safely change that soon, they say. So, if you need more info, you can go to freegan.info, and that's F-R-E-E-G-A-N.info, or you can also email them at ask at freegan.info. Monday, August 17th, so uh, it's happening in the future, <laughs> 7.30 p.m., this is Eastern Time. The Freegan meeting, help make freeganism happen in New York City. At our organizational meetings, we discuss and decide on future activities and group direction. Participants are encouraged to step up and introduce new freegan projects with the support of the group or take roles such as facilitating meetings or bottom-lining events. We welcome both those with experience taking part in non-hierarchical consensus-based groups and those participating for the first time. And they have a link to the Zoom meeting. Again, if you email them or go to freegan.info, you should find that information there. Um, Thursday, August 20th, 6.30 p.m., there's a Freegan DIY Salon do-it-yourself event in which we will share skills and have brief performances on Zoom from 6.30 until 8.30 p.m., you're invited to attend as a viewer to learn and be in the audience. If you want to show others how to make a mask or a tote bag or how to cook or prepare some kind of food or a snack or how to draw or play some game or how to build or create something, as long as you can explain it and show a sample and as long as you can advise on how to do this with items that you may already have at home, you're welcome. And then there's also, they provide ongoing sustainable and mutual aid events. And again, also the Zoom link will, will, is provided in the email. So if you go to freegan, <sighs> freegan.info, find that information there. There's a weekly bike repair workshop by Time's Up, which is at 99 South 6th Street off Bedford Avenue under the Williamsburg Bridge, which is Sundays and Wednesdays, 6 p.m. 
to 8.30 p.m. It's a fix-your-own-bike workshop. It's an open shop. We uh, can use their tools and stands to work on your bike. Experienced mechanics will be present to answer questions that you do the work. Bike workshops are free, but we strongly encourage you to make a donation or become a Times Up member to help support our efforts. If you have a big project in mind, please be considerate of the time and plan ahead. For more info, times-up.org. There's also Food Not Bombs. Long Island Food Not Bombs is still operating with drive-up pickup available, and they have the details at communitysolidarity.org forward slash combating dash coronavirus. Long Island Food Not Bombs currently shares free groceries and hot meals every Saturday at 3 p.m. just outside Von King Tompkins Park, which is the northwest corner of Lafayette Avenue and Marcy Avenue, as part of its Bed-Stuy Food Share. For more information, communitysolidarity.org or email info at communitysolidarity.org. Food Not Bombs in Manhattan offers a vegetarian meal share using donated food that would otherwise be wasted Sundays at 4.30 p.m. in Tompkins Square Park. Contact them if you're interested in helping to cook and prepare food. The most up-to-date info seems to be on their Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Lower Manhattan Food Not Bombs. There's also Wild Food Tours, which will be resuming July 3rd uh, in Central Park. Uh, please wear a mask and observe social distancing. Uh, tomorrow, Central Park, Central Park West at uh, in 22nd, excuse me, 72nd Street. On the 9th, August 9th, Prospect Park, the Grand Army Plaza entrance. Uh, August 15th, Forest Park and Kew Gardens. August 16th, Belmont Lake State Park in Othabalon, Long Island. August 22nd, Inwood Hill Park, Manhattan. August 23rd, Central Park again, Central Park West and 72nd. August 29th, Appalachian Trail Metro North train stop in Pauling, New York. And August 30th, Prospect Park at the Grand Army Plaza entrance. For more info on the tours, you can go to wildmansteveprill.com. There's also Community Swaps Composting and Clothing Collection by Grow NYC. Uh, Grow NYC has suspended their collections and rents for now, but they have a good list of resources at grownyc.org. Find more information, composting. There's a lot. Okay. Got through most of the email. You get the gist. A lot of good stuff. Glad I'm still on this list. Great. Okay. Next up. And ahead of time, I put together an email list of different stories and information to share. So I'll do my best to get to everything and also provide a segue that so this is from journalist Sarah Bell Lynn. You can follow Sarah on Twitter at S A R A B E excuse me. S A R A H B E L L E L I N. And this is a video. Mary, an organizer with the United People Against Brutality, shares why she called the protest this evening in front of the San Leandro Police Department. The group is organizing a protest at the DEA's office in Oakland, uh, which is today at four thirty PM. Yes, because this was posted yesterday, August 6th. So, so let me provide uh, the audio here. Hi, my name is Mary. I am part of a group that I created um, a couple months ago due to the police brutality um, that was happening around the world. And um, then to come and find out, we have an active kids in our city. Ever since then, I've been um, involved. Me and my group, we've been doing protesting. Um, 
writing policies and seeing what we could do to change our community for a whole. Uh, today we put up an event, a protest slash a conference um, due to the shooting that happened here last night in between San Leandro and um, Oakland. Um, an officer chased a man um, who had a rifle at the time. It, it's very unclear of what um, the weapon or where it stands right now. Um, we're just going from uh, the report that we saw this morning. But the man was chased around the neighborhood, putting people in danger. Um, this is the repeat of San Leandro's lack of um, transparency and lack of doing their job. Um, And again, you can find this on Twitter uh, at Carabelle Lynn. And it's happening, the protest is happening at the DA's office in Oakland today at 4 30 p.m. And it might take me just a moment to scroll down past this video here. And here we go. Here's the hours. It's going on right now in our community. Family and Andrew really being um, nonchalant to what is going on right now in our community. I want to um, echo on there's a case, there's an active case in San Leandro. Stephen Taylor was killed here on April 18th, and now this man was murdered this morning um, due to police brutality. Um, this is a message that we want our city officials, our police officers, to be held accountable of their actions and also to, to see that their actions, it's a huge um, impact on our community. Um, the world is awake, the whole world is inactive as a social justice movement, and in behind our um, backyard, this is happening, and no one is being held accountable. Um, um, there's, there's an event going on throughout this week, there's different ways people can get involved. Um, for instance, tomorrow, um, a group and I, a, different groups are hosting um, we call it a uh, demand from DA O'Malley. It's asking um, our DA to hold these police officers accountable of their actions, to hold them, uh, to make sure that they do what they're supposed to do. Um, our DA has never um, charged a police officer ever um, due to the fact that she received POA, um, and we need that to stop. Um, so please come out tomorrow downtown Oakland in the DA's office at 4.30. We will be um, protesting, demanding on um, D.O. O'Malley to do something, take action, do the job, and stand for what she said she's sampling, which is the people. Thank you. Okay, so again, at 4.30 p.m. today in Oakland. Just happening today, 4.30 p.m. in front of the DA's office in Oakland. Okay, next up, trying to get to everything here and everything again. Just dropping the bucket of what's happening in the world. There's an article, didn't get a chance to read today, but I did want to share it with folks. It's from Teen Vogue, and this came out on August 4th, written by Kim Kelly. Free speech fights have historically targeted the left, and this is an op-ed column. Recommend that folks check it out. Again, Teen Vogue, Free Speech Fights Have Historically Targeted the Left by Kim Kelly. Lots of info there. Let's see. 
do that. If you are able. Okay, then, oh, gosh. It's a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to pretend it's not a lot. Um, this is not necessarily a polished show, and nor would I want it to be, because life is not polished. It's not, it doesn't always make sense. There's not always, things aren't always, there isn't always like an order, or things don't always make sense. And uh, it's difficult. And I feel like it's important to honor one's emotions and recognizing this is what's happening in the world. And it's honestly, it's dreadful. It's hard to acknowledge. It's because there's so much that needs to change. And at times it feels insurmountable. And also people are doing, a lot of people are, a good reminder, people are doing so much to make a better world for everybody. There's a video on Facebook, uh, Care on Air, Islamophobia Nationwide, uh, with uh, Babri, uh, excuse me, ah, Babri Mashid Demolition, and the latest that's happening with Ayan Najin and Faizan Sayed. And let's see if I can find the best way for folks to check out the video. If you follow Care, which is C A I R, uh, online, you'll also, if you go to CAIR.com, you can find more information there. And for more, they're America's largest Muslim civil liberties and advocacy organization. So I do want folks to check that out if they're able. But there's a video on uh, just the latest on Kashmir. Just, I mean, there's so much. I mean, especially internationally. So much to learn. Don't want to overwhelm. Uh, yeah, it feels overwhelming. And also, there's so much going on in so many ways that we can learn for ourselves folks like myself who are continuing to learn. All right, going through the emails here. I think we're going to wrap up. Whew, there was a lot. Okay. So next up, also been sharing that there's just, um, oh, goodness. Quick, for immediate release, this is uh, military-style raid border patrol detains 30-plus people receiving care at humanitarian aid station. Also, the Portland cop, uh, Slash the tires on the snack van in Portland. <laughs> you know, there's just more. So this is if you go to nomoredeaths.org, they provide the information about the Border Patrol raid. Again, nomoredeaths.org. And so folks who are in detention centers as well as prisons and jails are more likely to catch COVID. Fo folks shouldn't even be in these places in the first place. And it's so fucking disgusting that uh, this is what's happening. So there's a, a Twitter thread. There's also just like uprisings that are happening at prisons. And there's one called Where State Prison in Georgia. And Vitalist International, you can follow on Twitter at Vital, I-S-T-I-N-T, Vitalist Int, uh, protest, excuse me, prisoners at where state prison in Georgia are revolting. Reports still coming in by rumor that they have seized the armory around 1,500 insurgents. Prisoners are fighting for their lives, and we all need to pay attention. And there's video footage of that as well. There's also live tweeting from someone who lives in White Cross, Georgia. Um, and one comment here is, uh, if someone locked me up, exposed me to COVID-19 every damn minute of the day and denied me access to health care, I'd revolt too. Yeah, absolutely. Says it's uh, weird that they're, quote, you know, s calling them insurgents, and 
you know, saying that the prison riot seems like a national uprising um, uh, without knowing what's going on exactly. A lot going on. So, um, yeah, I don't have much to add to that. Just we need to uh, abolish prisons, and that's a good place to go. Right? And I'll end. I'll play some new music after we end, but definitely, oof, kind of out of steam here. I wanted to share some words. I have a pen pal who's incarcerated, and she's just been having a really difficult time, as have many folks who are incarcerated, just because they don't receive a lot of information, they don't receive a lot of care. And, I mean, for those of us who are not incarcerated, even there's just constantly not knowing what the protocols are. Like, we can wear masks, we can physically distance, and there's still, like, a lack of information, I think, for, mo for a lot of us. And there's also the people who just don't care. And imagine what it's like to be incarcerated, to be away from loved ones and friends and family, and to not have your rights. And on top of that, to be dealing with this pandemic and knowing that you're more at risk and how frightening that must be. So I asked her if there's anything, any words of hers that she wanted me to share on the air. And she says, to th those who have COVID-19, God bless y'all. Don't stop fighting. And please know people are praying for y'all. And most of all, God is with y'all. His angels are too. Pray everyone. We can, we can make it. Be nice, loving, kind, and helpful to each other. So those are some words to share with folks. And if you're interested in contacting folks who are incarcerated, uh, Black and Pink is uh, blackandpink.org is an organization that matches folks with LGBTQ folks who are incarcerated, and that's how I found uh, this pen pal. So again, sending lots of love out there to everyone, and I know it's like. Ugh, it feels depleting to just be witnessing all that's happening, to be experiencing it, to be knowing that so many folks are in so much pain, and also by recognizing that this is happening, uh, it's the only way to move forward. So thanks again for listening. The archive is up uh, for the last few years or so at mutinyradio.fm. You can check it out. Again, this is Weekly Review. My name is Roman, and thanks again for listening, and I'll... Uh, <laughs> play some music to send us out. This is one of my favorite Tracy Chapman songs, Paper and Ink from the Telling Stories album. And we'll be back excuse me, next week. Take care, everybody. Touch the mirror Broke the surface of the water some my true self all illusion shattered money's only paper only here we'll destroy ourselves if we can't agree how the world turns who made the sun who owns the sea World we know for peace by peace. Set down a close.
close to the colored black hole Like they'd always told me not to Saw the one dimension polka dot pacify all the illusion shatter Money's only paper, only hate We'll destroy ourselves if we can't agree The world turns, who made the sun, owns the sea. The world we know will fall piece by piece. Bidding myself holy, heart and body. Internet Ocean has to offer ya. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Anti-Trump is the antivirus or antibody to the Trump virus. 
We're a global alliance of humans standing up against the Trump brand. Antitrump.com started four years ago on March 19th, 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better world. Nobody thought it was going to be this bad. Most of us probably figured it would just be four more years of the same old. He was a 70-year-old babbling Nimrod. How bad could it really be? Treason is the last of his felonious activities. The Trump brand has hijacked our government and sold Lady Liberty to the mob. We are a leaderless and without the most basic health care systems and community services. COVID-19 is a pandemic, but the Trump brand is the virus. Welcome to the antivirus. Go to antitrump.com and spread the word. Individual politics aren't important. What is important is that we stand together as a unified voice and say enough is enough. That's antitrump.com. Welcome to Strictly Bad Vibes, your personal complaint department. Um, what, what the hell are we talking about? Um, whiny people and their stupid complaints that we requested they send us. Why do we do this? Why, why are we doing this? <laughs> None of which matters in this equation because it is his choice to carry such horse shit on the fucking train. And he was yelling, he was like, move it, bitch, move it, bitch, and, uh, and, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I'm just not, I'm not moving it, you know? I've arrived, why should I move? I don't like what work has been giving us at our free lunches. 115-340-1976, and it does not spell anything. 115-340-1976. One nine seven six. Go for it. Call in, guys. San Francisco, Radio. Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? Streaming live the station. Mutinyradio.fm. District of the Mission. Mutinyradio.fm. Mutinyradio.fm. Listen to live streaming radio. Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm. Hit the donate button, stream them live, download a podcast, have some fun!
everybody. Listen to the weekly review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the weekly review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 499. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for me five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of... <laughs> you uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on the podcast by, with our acronym LWAFLMOYT. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube. 
with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Yeah, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5% Eastern Standard Right, I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Let's watch full length. Let's do a full minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you next What's up, Oakland? Have you been missing out on live music and content?